we, uh, in this city, have a tendency to, to lose hope because we've got a lot of teams that have taken us to the, to the brink of victory. And, um, <laughs> and so the Hawks have kind of come under the radar. I was there early in the season, a few people in the, in the building. And then a little bit later in the season, more people in the building. And then all of a sudden the whole city has just got Hawks fever. And it was a great ride. Did you not love going on the ride with the Atlanta Hawks this year? And I think, I know for me personally, and a lot of people sitting here, what we love about the Hawks is it's what people call team basketball. Um, that we don't Strange have, concept. Say again? A strange concept. It was like, <laughs> people were like, wow, they're winning as a team. <laughs> Like this is, you know. Like that's the, the right. yeah, like that's the way it's supposed to work. And right. I remember a couple seasons ago, I asked you about Coach Bud, and you said, you told me how much you loved him, how much you loved the system that he brought to Atlanta, that you thought it was gonna be phenomenal. So you saw it coming long before it actually happened because you believed in the we that he was creating. Tell us about Atlanta Hawks basketball. Why is it great? Why do we love it? And <laughs> Um, how does that team thing work from the inside the locker room all the way onto the court? Yeah, well, I, I think it starts with, with Coach Bud and just his leadership, and, uh, you know, he treats everyone the same, no matter if you're, you know, all-star or you're, you know, doing the video work, you know, everyone's the same, and, and everybody matters. And I think that was the biggest thing for us this year is, you know, we, we put in a style of play, and, and we really bought into the concept of everyone has a job to do every single time down the floor. And if you do it well, we're gonna have a great chance to score and a great chance to win. And, um, it wasn't just about watching one guy dominate the ball and sit there and wait if the ball is, the, you know, if you're gonna get a, a pass and an opportunity to score. Like we knew that, you know, if, if Kent cuts really hard and I set a good screen, Jeff's gonna get a shot. And it was just everyone mattered every single time down the court. And, I think it's like in life, you know, like when you feel like you matter, you tend to buy in a little more and you tend to, to do it a little harder with a little more purpose and you prepare a little better. And um, it was, it's fun to kind of be a part of a team that kind of bucked the trend a little bit of the superstar style because that's, yeah, it's in basketball, it's in a lot of things though too, you know. Um, and so I think we had a team that really bonded together and it was amazing watching the, the whole city come and, and really support us. Um, you know, I got traded here from Chicago, and I, I wasn't really that excited about it, to be honest with you. There, there wasn't, like, real good feelings about the Hawks, you know, around the NBA. And, you know, there's not a lot of people in the crowd, and it's like, you know, I don't, I just came from the Bulls, you know. Like, I don't really want to be here in Atlanta. But, like, after a year and seeing the pieces that people were bringing in, and you, like I said, bringing in Bud and the, and the vision that they had, you know, it was kind of like, why can't this be a great basketball town, you know? Like, this is an amazing city with so much going on. It's beautiful. It's warm, which Chicago does not have, you know? And, um, <clears throat> you know, there was all these things. It just felt like it was lined up, and, you know, we decided to, 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 to come back here. It was, it was with the hope of, like, you know, putting together a good basketball team first, but then maybe a city kind of comes around it. So uh, it happened a lot quicker than I think we thought, but it was That's just so amazing. Great. So. We loved watching, uh, I wish the Hawks had been in the finals, but if they weren't, I love watching the Warriors because they seem like a bunch of class people. And listening to the way that they talked at the end of that game on the stage, on the floor, and in the interviews afterwards, and the way they were uh, supporting each other and believing in each other and lifting up the Lord. I mean, I was like, I don't know those guys, and I know that you know, Kent knows some of them well and played there, and, but um, I, it just really was encouraging. And I, I think I can see like Golden State coming back from the West, 
Hawks being the champions of the East in a Golden State Hawks finals next year. And Curry goes down to Corver is the way I think I see it all playing out at the end of the year next year. So that, that could be exciting and fun. We could do this again next year and have the trophy out here and the whole thing. Just be right Plant, the plant's nice. <laughs> but, you know, We're replacing this. <laughs> trophy would be better. <laughs> so I asked you one time if it bothered you if, when people said Atlanta doesn't have that all-star player. And I loved your answer. You may not remember what you said, but do you want me to remind you? Yep. You said, we do, we have great players. If they play three or four minutes more a game, their statistics would be the same as everybody yep. else's. But people are choosing to play less because that makes our we stronger. Yeah, I think there was definitely sacrifice all, you know, along the way. And, and people talk about how we didn't have good players, but I, we had a bunch of all-stars this year, so I kind of feel like we had some good players, you know? But, um, <laughs> But I, I think it is really, you know, just buying into the team. Buying, like, how do we, like, like as, as an individual, our ceiling is only so high, right? But if we, have, we are really one group, like, our ceiling is so much higher. And, and we're not there yet, you know, by any means. You know, I feel like this year was just a good step in the, in, in, in the direction that, that we're headed. And, and, uh, but, I mean, there was a lot of sacrifice. We've got guys who've been all-stars numerous years, and they played less minutes and passed the ball a little more and took the charges and did all those things that make a team a good team. Incredible. So you were, you're a California guy, uh, raised in the Midwest. You went to Creighton University. Go Blue Jays. Didn't get a big shout-out for that in the, in the crowd. Creighton, anybody? No love. Okay. It's all right. It's all right. And uh, <clears throat> then you went on to the NBA. Um, talk about a few things along the way in your career that were really formative in making you the player that you are today, either from mm. all the way growing up days or something as recent as this season. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I always loved the game, and I think God gives everyone different talents and abilities, and you work hard at them, and they bring you to a certain level. But, you know, I honestly... Like, for me, my faith took a big turning point at the end of my rookie year, and it was just, you know, my whole life I'd worked so hard at basketball, and, you know, I was just like, I'm going to do really good and make a lot of money, but I'm going to be a really good person too, and then God's going to somehow use me for good, and that was going to be, like, the story, right? And <clears throat> you know, I wasn't surrounded necessarily by a lot of great people that first year, and <clears throat> just kind of felt myself just kind of like, you know, and you're just kind of, you don't really matter, Right, you just kind of feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions, and I'm kind of going to church, trying to when there's not practice, and you know, try to do the right things. But at the end of that year, I had a real like coming back to Jesus moment, which is a long story, and probably don't have all the time for. But it was in that moment where I realized, you know, I can keep on going down this basketball path, you know, but this this is my main focus. All I'm really chasing is happiness. And I'm super blessed, and today's Father's Day, and that's awesome. Like, I come from a lineage of men who, like, started their days on their knees and who lived with joy and who served well. And I saw this, so I had this basketball path of happiness, and I had this, like, life path of joy. And there's a huge difference in happiness and joy. Mm. And I think in that moment, um, you know, God really turned some things in my heart. And when your things turn in your heart, your view on everything starts to change too, right? So that was a big moment for me. That was at the end of my rookie year. And then I've officially played, well, I've played 12 years. I've officially, after this year, I played half of my years with my wife and half of them without them. And the half with them have been significantly better than the half without her. And, um, you know, getting married and, yeah. Um, Juliet is right over there. 
Give her a little wave to everybody, Juliet. There a little tiny wave, yeah. Um, you know, being, being married to a, to a God-fearing woman who's not caught up in what basketball may have to offer, like that, all those things have helped, all those life lessons and conversations that we have and accountability that she has for me, like those have changed my heart. And as my heart has, obviously I have a long ways to go, but as my heart has gotten more whole or more focused, my basketball somehow has gotten better. And, um, and so I'd say those are kind of the two major kind of things for me. Faith and marrying the right woman, that sounds about right, right? I think we have a picture of your family uh, back there somewhere. I'm not sure, we have a couple photos, but there's one of you and Juliet and your kids, if we could put that one up. So um, that's Cairo on your shoulders and Knox over there. Beautiful uh, little crew. How, how old are, is Cairo and Knox? Cairo is two and a half and Knox is eight months. So that's been an interesting season, your all-star season, uh, making a run to the finals in the East, and you got an eight-month-old at the house, and you're traveling about half the season. So how's that, how's that last eight months been? Hard. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I can't stand here and, or sit here and say that I've, you know, figured that whole thing out all the way. I think um, you do your best, you know, um, you try to prioritize things the right way. I think, you know, for me, you know, that right now in life, this isn't the time for me to, you know, to pick up a new hobby or to get better at golf or to have guys' nights, right? Like, this is a time, these years are, you know, when I'm home, I'm gone half the season, right? We play 82 games in a year and 41 are at home and 41 are on the road. And so when I'm on the road, that's, that's when I sleep, right? <laughs> like... People who are worried about going, like, like, accountability for me NBA. on the road, like, you don't got to worry about me. Like, I'm going, I'm sleeping. Like, I'm turning. My air conditioning can be all the way down, like, you know, like, because we can't do that at home because the kids get too cold. So, like, I'm sitting there in the hot, in bed really hot. And, you know, but I go on the road, the air conditioning is at 64 degrees and everything is closed. And, like, I sleep and it's really good, you know, because then, like, when I'm home, I need to be present. Right? Like, like, I only have so many hours of this, or so many days out of this year to be home. And so I'm, you know, trying to eat better, right? Like, keep on, like, we give our best. And, and we, we're grateful that our God is a God of grace and mercy. And I'm grateful that my wife believes in the same God. And, and we, we do our best. <laughs> <laughs> So talk about uh, some of the high points, if there are a few that stand out along the journey of basketball. We'll come back to family in a minute. And talk about some of the low points in basketball where you really either didn't think you were good enough, you thought you just might quit, or you just were a really discouraged place. So maybe even at the end of the year, you're in the finals, this dude comes, you know, rolls over your leg, um, really is a lot more uh, damage there than I think people think, because you go down the court and want the ball to, to take a shot, and then the next thing we know, you're having surgery on um, your legs. So what are some of the highs and some of the lows that, that you can remember about your journey through basketball? Well, I, you know, sports is such a roller coaster. You know, like you win, you lose, you play good, you play bad. There's like all these ups and downs. And you know, I think just the, the story of my little, ba I, I can't believe I'm still playing basketball. Like, you know, like when I, when I was, when I was, I think my sophomore year of high school, like they let me play on the varsity team. My freshman year, I didn't start on the freshman team, right? And then my second year, I got to play a little more on the varsity team. And 
super pigeon-toed. I had to wear the shortest shorts and the biggest jersey because I got to choose last. I wore number 55, you know, like, <laughs> and, like, to think about where God has taken this whole story along the way, like, I'm just, like, I, I, I have, like, I, I don't like, I have, like, an interview after the game, and I'll be like, man, God is so good. I'm so blessed because that just feels weird to me when people do that, but, like, like, I, God gets all the credit for this career, you know, and, and I'm so grateful, but there's, even with that, there's so much doubt along the way. Like, there's doubt every day. There's, I played at a mid-major college because I wasn't really recruited, and then I got drafted, but I got drafted during the last commercial break of the thing. Like, they came back from the commercial break, and it was like the last three picks across the bottom of the screen. It's like, hey, that was me, you know? But I got traded in that same moment from New Jersey to Philly for, like, money and not that much. It was like to buy the Gatorade for the Summer League team and to buy a copy machine for their office. Like... Those things don't really instill confidence in you. It's like, you know, you got to try to, like, find your way and, 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 and improve yourself all the time. And, like, am I good enough? And, like, I'm on the court and people are like, give him the ball. Go at him. Go at him. And talking trash to me. Like, like my parents, my mom is sitting here today. They used to watch the games with no volume because the commentators would just be talking crazy about me the whole time, right? And so, like, what do you do with all that? And... I, what I've found is, like, you know, the highs are great and moments are they're really good, but, like, the lows, the doubts, like, that's what keeps my faith solid, mm. right? Like, that's when I know that I got to dig in and I got I to gotta get on my knees and I got to be like, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to give my best and I need you to, to, like, release the pressure and the stress and the freedom off me and I'm just going to go out there and play as hard as I can and whatever your will is, cool. Like, I'm going to be okay with that. But, you know, the doubts, the, the, the fears of, of all this, that's real stuff, you know? Like, um, a lot of people celebrate basketball and, it's, and sports, and it's great, but, like, there's a lot of heart to it, too. And, um, but I feel like it's been those moments more than anything that have helped shape, you know, hopefully my character and who I'm trying to be. So you mentioned your mom is here today, and apparently she's the all-star basketball player of the she family. Is. I heard she scored 70 points in a game one time. 73 or... 79, 800, the number keeps going up. <laughs> she gets really embarrassed when we talk about this, so we can talk about it for another minute. She averaged like 43 points her senior year of high school. Unbelievable. She got buckets, 43 man. a night, yeah. average. Don't bring her up here for that shooting game next service. <laughs> well, I saw her kind of inching up when I looked over that way, kind of like, pick me, pick me, but... So your dad isn't with you today because your dad is actually preaching today, yes. um, which is amazing. And so what, what kind of parents, you had his mom and dad, and you're a sports guy all your life. Were they the uh, son that's going to be okay, whatever happens, happens? Or were they strangling the referee after the game in the parking lot? I mean, were they putting pressure on you? Were they, how did that work, especially with your dad? Because dads and sons in sports, that can go a lot of different ways. Yeah, my, my dad, um, I mean... I know there's a lot of hard stories out there, but I have a really good story from my dad. I'm really grateful. And uh, he's never pushed me in any way, really, church, basketball, anything. I don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think my parents really looked at basketball as a way to make a living. Like, it was never about the NBA. It was like, what can being on a team and working hard do for your character and do for your person? And that's when they encouraged me to play sports. It was, you know, it was never about a scholarship or a reward at the end of the day. So, I mean, they were almost, like, on the other extreme. It's like, we're going to let Kyle figure out what he wants to do, and we're going to support him. It was the same thing in, in church. You know, I, I, being a preacher's kid, 
there's good stories and there's a lot of not so good stories and my dad was also a preacher's kid and so I think you know he grew up with a lot of expectation and and things like that and um, you know he's always been very cautious to um, just love and to guide um, but never to direct and never to micromanage us or anything like that and um, it's probably caused a lot of you know, I mean he didn't like you know if I'm looking at his decision he's not going to say do that one he was going to let me figure it out so I, I made some bad choices along the way probably and my story to get to certain places was probably it was a longer path but at the end of the day like it was my path and that really helped form who I was and I'm very grateful for that now I know that you know more so than just telling me what to do like he was he was praying for me he was on his knees like he is a godly man and uh those prayers have definitely directed, you know, the path that I, I've, I've been on, and um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for him. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> you know, we always, um, <clears throat> I'll touch on this when we close today, but we always sort of hold a balance on a day like today because, you know, there's a lot of cracked father stories, you know, in this house right now. But there are a lot of beautiful father stories in the house right now. And uh, I think we have to hold both of those in balance. Sometimes we don't want to celebrate dads too much because somebody didn't have a, a very good dad. But what an incredible thought to think that um, you have this legacy of a grandfather who is a godly man and a pastor and your dad who's preaching right now who um, has been such a godly influence in your life. What's one lesson that your dad has taught you that you hope um, that Knox gets in his life and Kyra gets in her life that's something that you think your dad has passed on to you that you want to pass on to them? <sighs> yeah, this was one of the questions you had me prepare for. Um, no, <clears throat> you know, I think, um, you know, he's, he's one of those guys, you know, you meet those people sometimes and they just always seem to be like on, like they're always just like smiling at you and like, but genuine, like not like a fake smile. And I've, I'm always just amazed at his ability to do that every day, especially as a pastor. And you know how this goes. Like, you deal with a lot of stories and a, a, lot, of, a lot of hard stories. And he, he's a pastor of a small-town church. I mean, the church is big, but the town only has 10,000 people in it. So there's a lot of, you know, he has to do the funerals and the weddings and the, the hospital visits. And he, like, he does it all. Like, you know, he, it's like 100-hour weeks for a lot of years, you know. But he always was able to do it with a smile on his face and with joy. And I, he does that because he starts his days on his knees, literally on his knees, and saying, God, fill my cup. And his cup just kind of pours out all day long on everyone he comes into contact with. And the next day, he does it again. Gets on his knees. Lord, fill my cup. And I've, I've seen him do it. I've woken up in the middle, like, like most earlier in the morning, but him like standing over me praying over me. I'm, I'm like, whoa, like, what is going on? <clears throat> but like, I will remember that forever. As weird as that was, I'll remember in a really good way, right? Like, I want to do that for my son. I want him, like I was filling out his card last night. Um, and at, at the end of it, I was like, I hope my kids feel the same way about me someday that I feel about you. And that's a great thing. So I, um, I just want to ask you one last thing about your journey because um, you said some things that are so practical. For, for example, every dad can start their, their day on their knees. 
that you don't have to go read a book, you don't have to go to a seminar, you don't have to be a super spiritual person. But what a game changer would that be if we all took that lesson away today and every one of us literally started the day on our knees. Everyone can do that. You don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to understand everything about scripture and theology. It's just a simple act of, of humility, really, before God that he rewards in such a powerful way. But the journey for all of us men is the same. Dads, not dads in the house today. And, you know, I think about being an, an NBA player. I, I worked for the Hawks when I was in college. And so I saw, in, at least in the locker room, family interaction. I heard conversations. Um, I worked for the visiting teams most of the time. So I, I got wind of things. And it's a tricky world. I mean, it's a very tricky environment to be in. Um, but yet somehow you've forged a path of faithfulness in that. One of the things that blows me away, Kyle, is that um, following this season, I knew like you played Miami on a Saturday night, but yet I turn around at the 10 o'clock gathering and you and Juliet are sitting on the sixth row and I'm thinking you got home at three in the morning or four in the morning and at 10 o'clock you're sitting in church. So I know that you aimed towards faithfulness, but what are a few things along the journey of a season that have allowed you to stay faithful, to stay focused, to keep that fire of faith alive when, you know, maybe that's not the norm. I don't know, maybe it is the norm out on the road that everybody's in Bible study and thinking about their faith and thinking about their families and thinking about being faithful and living lives of integrity. Really sleeping. <laughs> really, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think the, one of the biggest lessons in all this that I, I've learned, um, and I've learned it like, the hard way and also the good way, is you become who you surround yourself with. Right, just like really simple, really simple stuff, but it's so true. And I think, um, you know, uh, obviously being married to my wife, like that's who I surround myself with, like first. And I'm very, like, she's a God-fearing woman who makes me better, and I hope I do the same for her. But like, like she is, all of, you know, my my person is starts with my faith, with my relationship with God, and then my relationship with my wife. Those are the main things that pour into me right now, right now in life, right? But it, it, beyond that, it's, you know, it's, it's the community. Like, we're going to make it up to go to church because, you know, we got to, it's not just about, you're a great speaker, you know what I mean? We want to hear what you have to say. But, like, we need people in our life, too. This isn't about just coming to get a good message. Like, we need to be in community. And you need to be around people who are filling you up. And so, you know, um, God has been, um, has been very kind. And, you know, I've lived in a bunch of cities now. We play on different teams. But, like, when we go somewhere new like that is we need a church and we need people that we can, that not just pour into us, but that we can pour into as well, because it's a two-way street, right? And finding people that you want to pour, that you want to pour into, and that you want to pour into you. Um, not just people to have around, and not just because they're a Christian, you hang with them, but people who are authentic and genuine, and, and, and uh, that is really important for us, because what we get here, what we get in our home, that's what we bring to the gym. That's what we bring to our work, right? Like, we get filled up here. And so, like, it starts, starts with that, I would say. Amazing. Well, so powerful. And um, I just love that uh, you guys would take a little time on Father's Day to come and hang out with us. And uh, it's really awesome, right, to hear a little bit more behind Kyle. So thank you. Thanks so much for hanging today. Incredible. we let you drift off over there. You guys say thank you to Kyle and Juliet. Awesome. <laughs> awesome.